Hello, I'm Brett Dillon, and this is The Movie Chronicles. Hold on to your hats as we move back in time to 1895 to find out how the Brits, the Germans, and the Yanks are adapting to movie technology. We'll start with the criminal fraternity in England. Footpads. Director Robert W. Paul. This looks like an adaptation of a popular stage play. The backdrop shows a city street scene, including a flashing street advertisement, a trick we won't see again for another 20 years and which won't have any resonance until the advent of the film noir movement. We watch a vicious mugging. A policeman comes to the rescue, but he has the big Jesus kicked out of him, and the villains run away. The bad guys win, in other words. This is a very violent film. It seems to form an argument about lawlessness in society. Certainly, we feel no sympathy for the footpads, but the violence is so extreme the sequence would not be out of place in Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, 1971. As one critic has observed, Robert W. Paul started his career playing to the fantasies of the middle classes. These centered on the lawless behavior of the lower classes. It wasn't the middle classes who embraced film as technology, they had the theater, and so this approach did not resonate very well with the audience for the film. It is claimed that this is the first film to use a painted backcloth. The flashing sign advertises Vinola, a brand of shaving soap, for those who need to know. Director Robert W. Paul was born on October 3, 1869, in London, England, and he died in 1943. Robert was an electrician and scientific instrument maker. One day, two Greek businessmen approached him with a commission. They had secured an Edison kinetoscope machine and wanted him to retro-engineer a couple of replicas. Robert refused at first and did a little research. He discovered Edison had not patented his invention in the UK. Now he was all on board with the scheme. He even provided a few machines to magician Georges Millet. The business venture had one problem the supply of film. With Bert Akers, Robert developed a camera which he first exhibited at Earl's Court Exhibition Hall. So positive was this demonstration that Robert decided to project his films. For this he designed and built a projector, which probably made its first appearance at the Alhambra Music Hall, becoming the first Englishman in the process to put a film before a fee-paying audience. In 1895, he and Bert founded Robert W. Paul Productions. Bert and Robert soon parted company, however. Robert was extremely prolific up until 1910, when he retired from the business. It is probably no exaggeration to say he invented the English film industry. He was also the inventor of the camera Dolly, a camera mounted on a wheeled device to move it through space. Lion London Zoological Gardens, also known as Lions Hardin Zoologique Londres. Director Alexandra Promio. Over the course of this podcast, you will find me making some tough choices about where to assign a film. 
This film is a production of the Lumiere brothers. It was shot in England. Therefore, I've come down in favour of this being an English film, even though the correct title for the film is the alternative one. The zookeeper paces in front of the cage, throwing treats to the lion to get him to move for the camera. Rothsey at Dover, director Bert Akers and R. W. Paul. Paul and his cameraman of this period, Bert Akers, started out in film to document reality. The film nowadays would be considered nothing but stock footage. In 1895, not only was the film given a screening, but the patrons were worried they might get their feet wet. Lacking showmanship, Paul didn't get them to take out water damage insurance. Director Bert Akers was born on July the 23rd, 1854, in Virginia, USA, and he died in 1918. Bert was a photographer. He was approached by Robert Paul to collaborate on an invention to compete against Edison's kinetoscope. The invention was a success, yet the partnership broke up in a dispute over who had invented it. He went on to manufacture cameras and film stock. Perhaps more germane to this episode was what was happening in Germany. Acrobatische Potpourri, director Max Glandowski, actors the Grunato family. A family of acrobats perform a pyramid act. Dad is the support, everyone else climbs on board, and Dad does a twirl. Apotheoth, director Max Glandowski, director of photography, probably Emil Glandowski, actors Eugene Glandowski and Max Glandowski. Two gentlemen enter from either sides of a stage and take a bow to the audience. To understand what this is all about, refer Wintergarten program, which I'll be talking about shortly. Das Boxen's Kangaroo, director Max Sklandowski, actor Delaware. A portrayal of that most shameful of sports, boxing against a kangaroo. What it's like is boxing against a velociraptor who isn't allowed to use his teeth or his feet. It's a very unfair battle. Mr. Delaware should be heartily ashamed of his performance. Italianisha Burnets, directors Emil and Max Glandowski, actors Plotz and Larella. Under the name Kindergroup Plotz Larella, two children perform an Italian peasant dance. Plotz made only one film. He is the boy in the striped suit and pants. Larella also makes her only film appearance in a black or dark blue hooped dress. This is filmed in black and white, hence my confusion. The Jongleur Paul Petras, directors Emil and Max Glandanowski, actor Paul Petras. Paul Petras does some neat tricks juggling with his hat and some balls. At this early stage in film, it's hard to tell if the framing is an experiment or a mistake. The image captures the shadow of the performer and objects on the backdrop. This can be a little confusing. Kamorinskaya, director Max Glandonowski, actors Chapanov Brothers. Three Russians in a Cossack-style costume do a traditional Russian dance. Komishrek. Director Max Sklandanowski. 
a swinging bar act. Winter Garden Programme credits this act as the Brothers Milton. This is a problematic attribution. The act shows a man and a woman twirling on the bars. The man jumps off and then the woman jumps and lands on the man's shoulders in a pratfall. Parade in Berlin, directors probably Emil and Max Sklandanowski. The camera is set above the crowds, possibly from a first-floor window. It looks at a mass of people coming down the street towards the camera and passing beneath it. Ringkämpfer, directors Emil and Max Sklandanowski. Actors Grenier and Eugene Sandow. This film of a wrestling match leaves me with two questions. Is this the Sandow the bodybuilder I talked about in 1894? Yes, it is. It looks like him, but without a close-up or production material, I couldn't be certain. I had to delve into dusty files and trust other people's impressions to pin this attribution down with a degree of certainty. It also raises questions of how Sandow came to appear in a German film, which then raises the issue of where this footage was shot. The title was shot in Germany and was distributed to showcase the bioscope system. Notice how I avoided discussing the homoerotic elements of wrestling. Don't! Serpentine Tanzerin, director Max Sklendanowski, actor Ancion. I hope by now you know what the serpentine dance is. If not, head back to 1894. This is a German spin, spin, get it? of that dance as performed by Ancion. This is her only film. Wintergarten Programme, directors Emil and Max Glandanowski. This film recreates the programme premiering the bioscope system at the Wintergarten Music Hall in Berlin, the 1st of November, 1895. As you will find out later in this narrative, this event caused the Germans to claim they invented the cinema. I have already discussed all the films. They were shown in the following order. Italianische Bernstanz, Komischreck, Das Boxen des Kangaroo, Jongler Paul Petras, Acrobatisch Potpourri, Kamerinskaya, Serpentintanzeren, Rankampfer and Apotheose. Director Max Sklandanowski was born on April the 30th, 1863, in Berlin, Germany, and he died in 1939. Max was apprenticed as a photographer and glass painter. In 1879, he joined older brother Emil and his father to tour Magic Lantern performances throughout Germany and Central Europe. Max had the job of looking after the technology. He developed a system of multiple lenses that allowed the projection of up to nine separate images. Max claimed he built his first motion picture camera in 1892. Most historians, however, date this event at 1894. He also built the bioscope projector. This involved two lenses, two film reels, and a mechanism to switch alternately between lenses to create the impression of motion. 
It used 44.5mm film stock and was back projected onto the screen, i.e. the screen is between the audience and the projector. In May 1895, Emil and Max began making films, possibly influenced, in subject matter at least, by what was available on the kinetoscope. The, this machine became available for viewing in Berlin in about March of 1895. A test screening of this footage was held at the Gasthaus Salo, which was seen by the directors of the Winter Garden Music Hall. Sensing a good thing, they offered the Sklandanowski brothers the unheard-of sum of 2,500 gold marks to screen the footage at their theatre. This was to be formed 23 times as part of a three-hour show that included other acts. The invention was a success, at least until they moved it to Paris, France, for an engagement at the Folle Bergère in 1896. It was bad timing. The Lumiere brothers premiered their cinematograph system, which made the bioscope look primitive in comparison. No props for the brothers. Max had already worked on improvements, including a new drive for the machine, a single lens system, and the use of 63mm film stock. In late 1896, using this system, they hired professional actors to make a new film. By February 1897, they were back in Berlin and shooting crowd scenes. Once again, they missed the boat. The Berlin authorities thought there were too many film exhibitors in town and refused to give the brothers a license. Max returned to the magic lantern business and also developed flip books, an early form of animation. He sold film cameras and projectors and produced 3D titles. He even created a film company, Projection for All, to make films with his younger brother Eugene. This kept him busy until his declining years when cameraman Guido Sieber claimed Max had exaggerated his role in the early days of cinema. The controversy continues. I conclude this episode with films from the Rootin' Tootin' Shootin' USA with Buffalo Bill's Wild West, director W.K.L. Dixon, actors Annie Oakley, Hair Coat, Last Horse, Parts His Hair, Lee Martin, and Frank Hammett. How many films do you know that star Annie Oakley, Hair Coat, Last Horse, Parts His Hair, Lee Martin, and Frank Hammett? Bill Cody refused to have the word show added to the title of his entertainment. He claimed he was providing the experience of the Wild West, not showing it. In a sequence of three shorts, Annie Oakley displays her sharpshooting skills, the Indians do a dance, and the cowboys ride a bucking bronco on a purpose-built set. Actor Annie Oakley was born on August 13, 1860, in Ohio, and she died in 1926. Annie learned to hunt in order to eat, and became so good she bested sharpshooter Frankie Butler when she was 15. Frank was a good sport and married her. In 1885, the pair joined Buffalo Bill on a tour of Europe. In 1898, Annie wrote a letter to President William McKinley, offering the government the services of a company of 50 lady sharpshooters who would provide their own arms and ammunition should the U.S. go to war with Spain. The offer was not accepted. 
and he continued to tour with Buffalo Bill as a top attraction. It was a good run until 1901, when she got caught up in a rail accident that forced her to slow down due to the injury. This left her temporarily paralyzed, and she had five operations on her spine. This accident was what probably inspired publisher William Randolph Hearst to publish a false story that Annie had been arrested for stealing to support her cocaine habit. She spent the next six years winning each of the 55 libel lawsuits she filed. Annie went on to tour a play about her life, The Western Girl, an instructed woman on shooting. Over the course of her career, it has been estimated she taught 15,000 women how to shoot. After she died, her husband Frank stopped eating and died 18 days later. It was then discovered Annie had spent her fortune on charities and her family. Frank Hammett died in 1903 from the after-effects of gravity. He fell down a cliff. Nothing seems to be known about Lee Martin. He and Frank were bronco riders and cowboys in Buffalo Bill's Wild West. Dixon, Experimental Sound Film Director, W.K.L. Dixon The first gay film? No, not really. Director William Heiss, film's fellow director, W.K.L. Dixon, playing a violin into a sound recording machine at the left of the frame, while two assistants dance on the right. These two don't look too happy at all, let alone gay. They'd be voted off Dance with the Stars in a nanosecond. The Execution of Mary, Queen of Scots. Director, Alfred Clark. Actor, Mrs. Robert L. Thomas. Let's call this film from the school of Millet, although, correctly speaking, it could be claimed Millet is from the school. Director Alfred Clark uses the trick of substitution to bloody effect. Mary lays her head down on a block. In a clumsy cut, she is replaced by a mannequin. The axeman cuts her head off and holds it up for the audience, while giving a ripping guitar solo. I made the last bit up. Director Alfred Clark was born on December the 19th, 1873, in New York, and he died in 1950. Alfred was employed by the North American Phonograph Company when he was only 16. He showed an early interest in electricity. Forced to leave this company in 1894, he bounced back by joining the Edison Company, making films at the Black Mariah Studio. He introduced some new ideas to the studio. Cutting a film, for instance. He is credited with creating movie editing. He also introduced the idea of using trained actors and making films which had a plot, which is a revolutionary idea for this period when running times were very short and probably came about through seeing the work of the Lumiere brothers. In 1896, he quit to start work at the Edison Phonograph Company. He started working with Emil Berliner and Aldrich Johnson on a new device called the Gramophone. Sales of this item were an instant success, and on the strength of this, Alfred moved to France, where he founded the company Compagnie de Gramophone Francais. In 1904, he sold his French interests 
and made up for it in 1907 by establishing the Musée de la Voix. In 1908, he moved to England to manage the gramophone company there. After World War I, he helped develop Aldridge Johnson's Victor Talking Machine. In 1931, this company merged with Columbia Gramophone, which then became EMI. Actor Mrs. Robert L. Thomas, her claim to fame is to be the first professional actor to appear in a horror, gothic, or historical fiction film. Execution of Mary covers all those genres. Princess Alley, director William Heiss, actor Princess Alley. You can tell when anything has been shot in the Black Mariah studio because the background is always black. In this shot, I suspect the lens is capturing just the tip of the roof that has been opened to let the sunshine in. In the back and stage left are three musicians dressed in Arabic costume. A woman, also in Arabic attire, dances in the front. Next episode, we head to the evil aliens of 1955 to banquet on human flesh. If you want to learn more about early movie history, check out Movie Chronicles Beginnings at an e-store near you. Don't forget to become a Patreon or Buzzsprout supporter before the next episode so you can join all the pod people sampling all the barbecued meat. Because they're all the pods I have to water. My water bill is going through the roof.